Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Dance Science Podcast. I'm your host, the Dance Scientist, and the Dance Science Podcast intends to build connections and drive discussion on how we can improve our field and make dance science more normalized. Thank you for being here, and please enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Again, thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm your host, the Dance Scientist, and today is going to be a solo episode. Today's episode is episode number 16, and it is called Turnout Debunking the Myths. Today, we're going to have a nice, simple conversation about debunking some of the most common myths and misunderstandings surrounding turnout. All right, so I have this episode divided into sections, and the first subsection is going to be discussing what traditionally happens during turnout, okay, or what has traditionally happened in regards to the way turnout is taught, okay? So obviously, one of the things that we see most often is that turnout has been really overly forced from the feet and from the knees, okay? And I like to say that, you know, this is one example. This is just one example. So please keep that in mind. But this is one example of how dance science is trying to make positive change by rewiring the way that turnout is traditionally taught. Okay. So I like to make this analogy sometimes when I'm explaining this. Let's imagine that we're kind of getting into a car and we're reversing the car down the street. So that we can build newer patterns in the body that are more safe and that are more anatomically accurate, okay? If we can do this, if we can get in the car and basically backtrack and rewire these new patterns, okay? These new patterns will be more in line with today's modern scientific principles. Now, continuing on this conversation about traditions, okay? I would like to poise this question for us. When we tell our dancers to turn out, what do they naturally do? Traditionally, dancers love to move their feet first, okay? And eventually their knees a little bit, but mostly I would say they really like to force from their feet. And then obviously that travels up to the knees because the body is an interconnected kinetic chain. We need to always be keeping that in mind, okay? Now, this is, again, this is one example of how dance science is trying to repattern some of these outdated teaching traditions, okay? So instead of thinking feet first when teaching turnout, I've kind of formed this analogy over the years, and it's sort of like PEMDAS from math class, okay? I call this abbreviation, hello, kind, friends, okay? H stands for hip, K stands for knee, F stands for foot. So you can give this a try as like a different strategy for thinking about where turnout is actually supposed to start from. Now, what muscles actually produce turnout? Okay, so again, this is something that there is so much misunderstanding around. Okay, I hear inner thighs, I hear hip flexors, I hear all sorts of things. Okay, there are muscle groups that contribute to this action. But really, the primary movers here, because they really lack a lot of um, secondary actions, this muscle group that I'm talking about, is the deep six, okay? These are also called the deep 
outward rotators or the deep lateral rotators, okay? So keep that in mind that you'll hear some different ways of referring to this group of muscles, but this is a group of six muscles. Now, if we're going to have this conversation about improving the way that we teach turnout, one of the things that we have to discuss here is addressing multiple learning styles, okay? Research says that, you know, this is really important if we want to have effective pedagogical strategies, okay? We need to make sure that we're combining visual, kinesthetic, verbal, and spatial cues for our dancers, okay? And then, you know, going deeper into this and kind of peeling back the layer to this onion a little bit more is that one of the ways that research recommends that we broaden the types of pedagogical tools that we use as a way of widening the types of learning styles that we're reaching, okay? So think of this as kind of adding to your toolkit and taking away some things in the toolkit that maybe aren't going to be as effective for a wide variety of learners. Now, not everybody has the same amount of turnout, right? I repeat, not everybody has the same amount of turnout, okay? I like to refer to this as kind of somebody's pie chart or somebody's spider web, okay? Everybody has a different pie chart with different percentages, okay? Some of these can be changed through things like cross-training or strength training, and some of them just cannot be changed, okay? So again, I recommend seeing a dance PT so that you can really learn about your own pie chart because that's really the start to progressing your own turnout. Now, on the flip side of that coin, I don't believe in putting dancers in a box, right? I don't believe in labeling dancers as, you know, that dancer has bad turnout or that dancer will never improve their turnout, right? We really need to watch the words that we're using because, you know, these things just are not true, okay? We need to be setting up our dancers with the proper tools because, again, I don't believe in placing anyone in a box. Everyone should feel like they have room to improve, which is why, again, you need to be learning about your personal pie chart because we all have our own limitations and we all have our own strengths. And continuing on this conversation on the importance of the words that we use is I like to use a term called personal turnout, okay? I've personally never heard of this term being used. I just randomly thought of it one day. So, um, you know, forgive me if this term already exists, but it's just kind of a word that I like to use. And I like to use it so that my dancers know, again, that they all have unique factors that determine their personal range of turnout, okay? And that is okay. But I still want them to know that they always are going to have room to improve it if it's safe and if it's with the proper guidance. Again, the words that we use carry weight. And, you know, like I've said before, there's really no such thing as bad turnout. And we really need to be being mindful of the words that we're using with our students and with ourselves. Because, yes, they do carry weight. So now that we've discussed the importance of words, I would like to get into the importance of strength training, okay? Strength training is a wonderful way to improve your turnout, okay? And I'm not just talking dance-specific movements, okay? 
What I'm actually talking about is a good mix between dance movements and non-dance movements, okay? Not all of your strength exercises should look like your dance movements, okay? Let me give you a really, really, really simple example here. Let's say a dancer wants to improve their front développé, okay? Logically, that dancer goes home and they're like, okay, I'll just, tonight when I get home, I will do 50 of my front développé exercises. And then by tomorrow, I should wake up and my front développé should have already increased its height, right? Because logically, this is how we think sometimes, right? Well, guess what ends up happening, okay? Muscles begin to get overused because they're not being balanced in other ways, and that leads to an overuse injury, okay? I'm not saying 100% of the time it leads to it, but I'm saying a lot of the times it will if those muscles are not being balanced in other functional ways. So this is just a really simple example of why we want balance in the body and resilience in the body as human beings, okay? Because first we want strength as humans and then as dancers. Because at the end of the day, we are humans first and dancers second. Let's zoom forward to 40 years from now, right? What do you want to be like 40 years from now? How do you want to be opening the fridge, How do you want to be getting into a car and out of a car, right? How do you want to be twisting your spine to reach your arm into your coat, right? Let's really start to think of these things and let's really start to think about our strength as human beings first. So again, when we focus on these non-dance exercises, they're going to end up supporting our turnout in a more functional way. Now, let me just, you know provide the other side to this coin here as well, okay? Logically, you're thinking, well, how is a non-dance movement going to help my turnout if it doesn't even look like turnout, okay? You have to remember that now there's a more functional way of approaching anatomy and approaching modern science, right? Especially when we think about the regional interdependence model and fascia and all of those more modern approaches, okay? Because when we're supporting our turnout in a more functional way, that's when we build more resilience and more strength and less overuse injuries. So please keep this in mind that yes, it will support your turnout, even if it doesn't necessarily look like turnout. Now, of course, make sure you're seeking exercises from a proper certified professional or from a proper dance PT. Please do not just source exercises from Google or from YouTube because you don't necessarily know who is behind the account. Again, even if it doesn't look like dance, these exercises will support your technique and your performance. So again, to wrap up this little section on strength training, it's important to have a nice mix between dance movements and non-dance movements. Now, here's another little thing that's important to talk about here is that, you know, dancers like to have that immediate result, right? They like to see an immediate improvement in their turnout, for example, because that's what we're discussing today here, right? They like to see those immediate results, okay? And what they actually need to practice is 
patience and consistency. So this is something that we can teach them as dance educators because that's really going to be the key to those more long-term results, okay? And again, keep in mind that when we're talking about an actual structured strength training program, you know, really the first results that we start to see are more neurological adaptations because the brain is getting smarter at knowing the patterns first, okay? So I repeat, first the brain gets smarter and stronger at knowing the patterns and knowing when to fire the patterns and how to fire the patterns. Then you start to see some of the actual strength adaptations. So keep that in mind that they're not necessarily going to see immediate results. Now, as far as teaching dancers anatomy as a way of improving their turnout, there are really two layers to teaching dancers anatomy. And there's really two layers to the cake, as I like to call it, okay? So, you know, the bottom layer are more like the actual memorization of the terms and the concepts, you know, like learning that a bone is this and learning that this muscle is here, right? And then the second layer on top is more of an advanced layer where they start to intertwine some of those anatomical explorations, okay? And this is where we can really start to focus on somatic explorations for our dancers so that they can really explore what their turnout feels like and where they feel their turnout coming from. So again, a nice combination of these two layers is also going to help with our dancers' turnout. Now, who are our dancers competing with? Okay, I think this is another important thing to talk about here in our conversation today is that a lot of times dancers like to be competing with others in the room for who can get the best turnout, okay? And again, this is logically why they think forcing their turnout is the best choice for them because then it will show us that they're working hard when actually it's not showing us that they're working hard, okay? It's really showing that we need a total rewire and a total paradigm shift in the way that we're even teaching turnout from day one. So again, when we talk about this competition, it might be hard since dancers are naturally very hard on themselves. And so this is where we as educators should be really stepping into this role of encouraging them to try to focus on their own progress and their own dance journey, okay? I'm not saying that this is easy, right? Because I know dancers like to compare themselves and dancers like to have those perfectionist tendencies, right? But what I'm saying is we as educators should be really, really trying to get them to focus on their own path, okay? Not what others' path looks like, but what their path looks like and what they want to focus on achieving, Now, something else dancers tend to do is overly clench their glutes when it comes to turnout, okay? And research says that um, dancers overuse their gluteus maximus, and when they do this, they feel the turnout more at the upper pelvis area, okay? So, like, all the way up close to where the sacrum is, close to where the tailbone is, okay? So, what we want to do is we want to be directing our cues more down to the level of the ischial tuberosities, which are the sit bones, okay? And when we direct our cues here, research says that this can encourage 
more use of the actual deep rotators, okay? So this, this is, you know, just something to think about when we're cueing is to try to get our cues to be more around the area of where those sit bones are. Now, this is another important nugget here to this conversation is that dancers' perception is very, very skewed when we're talking about turnout, okay? The way that they perceive the joint actions and the muscles is highly, highly skewed, okay? Now, again, okay, so whose job is it to clear through this confusion? Of course, it's our job as dance educators to help clarify their understanding of turnout, which is why I'm really proposing a whole paradigm shift in the way that turnout is taught in the first place, because I really, really think we can improve the way that it's taught from day one, okay? Not when they're 14 or 16 and they're just learning about rewiring some of their old patterns, okay? I like to say that, you know, if a dancer learns about dance science or dance medicine at that age, it's it's definitely better than nothing, okay? I would rather them learn about dance science and start to rewire some of those habits. But what I would really like to see is dance science be embedded from day one. And one of the ways that we can embed dance science into the first day of dance education is by really changing the way that we're teaching turnout, okay? It does not need to be force and it does not need to be this competitive thing with our dancers. Now, one of the ways that we can really start to change the way that turnout is taught from day one is by really starting to establish more of a consistent consensus regarding what turnout is, okay? Again, this is where a lot of the confusion comes from, is there really isn't an established consensus, okay, when we're talking about turnout, okay? So again, since there's so much confusion, this can really get in the way of our dancers progressing their turnout, right? If they're being taught one thing from this teacher, and then they're being taught the exact opposite from teacher number two, and then they go to their PT and they're being taught something totally new, how are they really supposed to make sense of all three of those teaching cues, right? What are they really supposed to do with those cues, okay? And that is why their perception tends to get skewed, is because we don't really have a general consensus. Now, another way that we can change the way that turnout is taught is by stepping into first instead of cranking or screwing the feet open, okay? So again, this is something that I've been reading and it's more of the newer ways of teaching turnout. And all you do is have your dancers stand in parallel. They swing one leg forward, open that foot to turn out, and then they do the same with the other foot, okay? Now, keep in mind that even this can be forced from the feet if you are not careful, okay? So as my dancers are doing this exploration, I actually also remind them to first engage their deep outward rotators as far as they can open their feet, basically. So I teach it in a way that first the rotators engage and then that opens their feet to their own personal natural turnout. 
Again, this is a great way of getting our dancers to find their personal unique turnout and not forcing or screwing their feet open. All right, we're going to wrap up today's conversation talking about compensations. Compensations are like creepy little sneaky creatures. And dancers are really, really good at hiding them sometimes, okay? It's important for us as educators and trainers and coaches to have a really watchful and trained eye so that the eye can pick up on what these compensations look like, okay? Now, how do we have that sort of eye? Well, one of the ways that we can really improve that is by improving our own anatomical knowledge and by constantly learning new pedagogical methods. Now, this is an important conversation because dancers compensate at their spine, hip, knees, ankles, and feet to achieve greater turnout. And these compensations are really strongly believed to lead to a lot of musculoskeletal injuries, especially overuse ones. So again, yes, it's wonderful to see dancers learn about these at 14 or 16 or 18, but what I would personally like to see is more attention be given to when they are young dancers because maybe we can help to kind of mitigate and decrease some of these injuries that we see when they're given more of a proper educational training from day one. All right, friends, a quick summary from today's episode. First, we talked about some of the traditions regarding turnout, okay? And again, traditionally speaking, turnout tends to be forced from the knees and from the feet, right? And what do dancers do when we tell them to turn out? Because usually they like to move their feet and their knees first. So there's a lot we can do to really rewire and to really have a whole paradigm shift in the way that we teach turnout from day one. We can be really addressing multiple learning styles. We can be teaching them about the main muscles that contribute. We can be teaching them about the factors that affect turnout. And remember, I said everyone has their own personal pie chart. We can also encourage them that, you know, they don't have to be placed in a box, right? They don't have to be labeled as having bad turnout because there's really no such thing. Again, words matter and words carry weight. We talked about strength training and not just dance-specific movements. And I gave a pretty good example, I think, of how it's important to have a good blend of both dance and non-dance movements. Again, even if it doesn't look exactly like a turnout exercise, it will end up helping your turnout. Again, it's really important to practice patience and consistency, especially with a full structured strength training program, because usually the first results seen are more neuromuscular adaptations. We talked about the two layers of teaching dancers anatomy. We talked about who are our dancers really competing with, because they really shouldn't be competing with others in the room. We talked about some cues to help avoid overly clenching the gluteus maximus during turnout and helping to direct our cues more to the level of the sit bones. We talked about how dancers' perception of their turnout is highly, highly skewed, right? They're very confused with what it is and where it comes from. So again, this is our job as dance educators 
to step into this role. It's important to establish a consensus, right? Because again, since there's so much confusion, if they're getting conflicting cues from different teachers, this is only going to confuse them even more. Stepping into first is one of the more modern approaches to teaching turnout, but again, you have to be careful that this isn't forced as well. And then we finish today's conversation talking about compensations and how dancers are good at hiding them sometimes and how they're sort of like creepy little sneaky creatures. Now, if you really enjoyed today's conversation, I would like to point you into the direction of a printable ebook that I have for sale right on my website. My website can be easily found through just clicking on my Instagram link and it will take you right to my website, okay? Now, I recently actually updated this printable and now this one includes over 60 teaching tips, okay? And of course, all of my eBooks come with a full references list. So if you're really interested in reading the references that I'm using, you can go right to the reference that I'm referencing in that specific teaching tip, okay? I also have included this ebook is now organized into two separate chapters, and then there's a supplementary resource list, and then there's also a merch coupon at the very, very end for my Dance Science merch store. So again, this is an ebook. This is just a PDF. Keep that in mind, okay? So you won't have a physical print of this unless you print this by yourself, okay? So this is a guide of over 60 teaching tips, and it is $7.99 on my website. It's just called Turnout 101. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode of the Dance Science Podcast. If you really enjoyed today's episode, please feel free to leave a review. You can also comment on the episode and you can also send me a direct message on Instagram. Thank you so much for being here with me today, friends, and I look forward to seeing you in my next episode.